Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic, the Batch Bitches are back, baby. It's Danielle Walker and Naomi Higgins. Hello. 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 Heck yeah. Heckin' happy to be here. (laughs) The heckers are in the building. So bat- Batch Hex are here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I love a catchphrase being restarted after four or five, possibly even six months. <laughs> Just, uh, it's, called a, it's called a callback, yeah, Dave. Yeah. Why don't you learn about it? Oh, okay, look, let me write that down for something to look up after the show. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Yeah, good. I think last time you were on, your minds were melting because on your show, Batch Bitch, you talk about reality TV show. And at that time, uh, Married at First Sight was in full swing mm-hmm. and you were oh. losing your minds. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that yes. was so bad. I'd Do you remember that being I bad. was falling apart quite openly on the podcast. Sure. And Danielle was like, I'm fine. And then Married at First Sight ended and Danielle was like, wow. I had that like actually a, was ruining my life. The last like know. three weeks of the show, I was... I just felt anxious, like uncontrollably anxious. <laughs> like you know when, you know when you're taking in too much stuff and your brain starts to freak out, and you're like, mm. I need a, I need a chill out for a second. <laughs> a holiday from yeah. first sight. It was, it was like four hours a week. It was that that show was over the course of like a month and a half. It was sixty one point five hours, and a lot of people like it's a high rating show here in Australia, like one of the biggest shows of of the whole year, mm. and. People watch it for pleasure. You yeah. guys are is it melting your minds. Is it melting every? I think every... it was melting everyone's minds. It's... it's just something that makes you so mad and you're like, I better check in. Yeah. And they want it to make you mad. Yeah. And... That's why they make it. I think and they get like they a tried... million viewers. So one in 25 people in this country are watching it. That is filthy. <laughs> Honestly, our show is about us recapping The Bachelor and more people listen to it when we were talking about maths. <laughs> uh, we, we, we're like, we're never doing that again. And then I saw our listen account when we were talking about Married at First Sight and I was like, oh, no. We're going to have to do it again. <laughs> well, I mean, we also have to because I know a person who's going to be on it. That's very fun. Really? So, yeah. They've already, they're filming it? Mm-hmm. That is cool. I can't say anything else because I okay. assume oh, they'll get in trouble. Yes, of course. But without <laughs> saying too much more, are you imagining that you'd be able to get them on as a guest at some stage? No. Well, they're not like a person I know well. Oh, they're more of a person who I've watched from afar <laughs> and been like, oh, oh, oh wow. <laughs> so that TV editor is going to have fun with you. <laughs> okay, so it's not a friend then. No, <laughs> clearly not. No, this is just how Danielle treats her friends. <laughs> Yeah. She watches them yeah. from a distance and judges them. It goes, oh, whoa. Oh, boy. 
Uh, well, thank you so much for for coming back. In between your uh, reality jaunts, have you had any time for reading at all? Is anyone reading anything at the moment? I tried to start reading a rereading a book that I loved when I was a teenager. Oh yeah, can be dangerous. And I forgot. Because no, I actually think it holds up. It's okay, that's good because I, one of my favorite films I would have told you when I was growing up, films. I'm saying sorry, but it's just in a similar ways. Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, a, oh, yeah? uh, a Kevin Smith film from about the year 2000. And I wish I did not rewatch it. <laughs> in my mind, it was is so it bad. Funny. Oh, it's so bad. Is it is it unwoke or is it just bad? Uh, both. Oh yeah, like Shallow Hell. Oh, yeah. I used to, Surprisingly, that, that movie does not hold up. <laughs> it used to be on TV, I reckon, every second week here in Australia. Yeah, yeah it I used to show, love that movie. Do you remember when Channel 7 used to, like, make things the different colours when they had the different colours things? Like, if Titanic was on, they'd do the, like, things that are on the back of the Titanic, like a different colour because they had, like, a rainbow was Channel 7's logo. Oh, And then okay. they yep, did yep. Shallow Hell, but they did, like, the boat when she's sitting on the front of the boat and it's underwater and then he's... Like sitting up in the air, and they made the boat like the different rainbow colors. I remember that, and it'd just be them what? going past for every commercial break. No, you don't remember that. I don't remember that. You don't remember that ad break from when <laughs> from when Shallow, Shallow Hell was on Channel Seven. Oh. <laughs> but the book you were reading was better than Shallow Hell. Yeah, it's these set of books, and they came with. Um, it was sort of like a. It was about like. I don't want to spoil it. Um, it's about it's got some supernatural stuff in it, but the books came with um, like a pouch, and it would have all types of stuff in it. So it would have like ripped up photos and like a serviette with a phone number written on it, and they were all quite realistic things. And there would be like clues for like the mystery of the book, <laughs> and so you'd like rifle through like old like notes and stuff. And that's like, a really cool idea. Pages from like a diary, it's it's amazing. Anyway, it's called Kathy's book. Kathy, and did it help you solve the mystery? Yeah, and there was like a website as well, and you'd have to like find a code and like log in to like hear like voicemails and stuff. And <laughs> it was sick. For someone who loves doing puzzles and also <laughs> pining after hot guys, it was perfect for me. <laughs> was it like a Ken doll in the bag or something? What? No, just the character. Oh, the character. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Ken is the uh, immediate hot guy that we go to in my life. Oh, Ken. Oh, yeah, that flat back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Danielle, you've been uh, reading anything? Um, I read that Sally Rooney book, but I can't remember the name of it. Not the one that, not Conversations with Friends, the other one. Oh, yeah. Actually, I listened to called? the audio book of that, um, Normal People. Yeah, Normal People. Yeah, I read that a Did little while ago. Did you enjoy it? Um, I got really annoyed with the characters because oh. I was just like, why can't you talk to each other? I liked it. I felt like it was about. That's because Naomi doesn't like talking about oh, yeah. her feelings. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I but I'm like deep down. <laughs> I'm like, all of this would be solved if you guys could communicate properly. But that's like the point of the book. Yeah, I know, and I fucking <laughs> hated it. Because, I, I mean, it was a good book, but I was pissed off because I was like, oh, you're just going through this unnecessary heartache when you could just tell each other what you're feeling and what you're thinking so that you don't have to have all this miscommunication. <laughs> Is this Seriously? you in any, like, book or movie whenever there's any sort of conflict? You're just like, ah! talk, you psychos. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. I hate it. You would hate uh, the entire genre of rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or all Shakespeare as well. Oh, no. Uh, this would easily be cleared up if you spoke to your wife. Have a sit yeah. down, have a chat. But they don't. <laughs> No. Yeah, get the memo, Romeo and Juliet. That one's embarrassing, that <laughs> yeah. one. Come on, guys. That is a huge faux pas. <laughs> well, speaking of plays, this week I have read a play 
And I'm going to tell you all yes. about it. And it is uh, a raisin in the sun, as I reach for my copy to show you, just to make you realize that it is a real book. I don't know why I felt like I had to grab it. Uh, by Lorraine Hansbury. Now, a couple of people have sent in messages saying uh, that I've been doing a lot of white male authors on this show. And mm. admittedly, mm-hmm. there's no doubt that a lot of things considered to be, quote, classics of literature are often uh, white men, you know, your Charles Dickens, etc. Wow. But- Did you do Mary Fraley? Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? I did do. Oh, you did? Okay. I've done Frankenstein, oh, yeah. that, one's a, that one's about a white man, so. Oh. Yes, but <laughs> not written by Yeah, that's right. I have done a few uh, female authors, but I'm a bit embarrassed to say I've recently just hit the one-year mark last week and there's a lot less than I would li- have liked. What's the count? Uh, I think there's 26 episodes and only five are by women. I okay, think. we got a lot of V.C. Andrews and Danielle Steele to get through. Oh, yeah, that's, what you, that's, that's what you're Flowers putting for? Flowers in the attic, that's, that's what you, you need to do. Oh, is that that creepy book? Um, you mean the one with incest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that's what you mean by creepy. <laughs> oh, no, I incest thought it was something bad. <laughs> kids being abused? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, That's what happens when you read books written by women. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking about, it was a bit embarrassed, I must admit, when people had flagged that with me. That's not the only reason I picked A Raisin in the Sun. In fact, I read it a few years ago when I was uh, being a drama nerd. And uh, I've got to say, it's one of the best plays I've ever read, hands down. But I just want to acknowledge those people's messages. And if you want to suggest a classic you'd like me to cover, there is a link in the show notes for you to do that. It takes you to a little... Uh, a uh, little uh, Google Doc and authors from different backgrounds would be uh, very much uh, appreciated. And um, I will say I'm still sticking to older books. Sometimes people try and submit like a Freely. yeah, or like the new Margaret Atwood or something. Mm. And um, it's like, well, that, that's fantastic. But most of the authors I've I've done are usually dead. And uh, <laughs> there's no hard or fast rule. But most things I've done are 1960s or earlier. But so mm. that's just to give people a, a ballpark figure of what why I'm not doing that. Yeah the number one New York Times bestseller of this week. <laughs> That's a different show, different show. Well, I just want to say it, commend you for writing this wrong and I'm very happy to be part of your apology tour. Thank mm-hmm. you. Apology. <laughs> on behalf of women, we accept. <laughs> and we we are the voice for all women. <laughs> well, that's why you're here today. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just looked at you and thought, they represent everyone. <laughs> yes, two very diverse white cis women. Extremely diverse. <laughs> <laughs> You've got us. <laughs> Thank you. The Diversity Sisters. <laughs> That's what they call us. <laughs> yeah, when you need some diversity, who do you call on? Batch bitch. <laughs> now, A Raisin in the Sun, have you heard of it at all? No. No, I don't think so. So it's a play by American author Lorraine Hansbury. It debuted on Broadway in 1959, making this the first play written by a black woman to be produced on Broadway. Featuring an all-black cast, it it was seen as a risk at the time, but it was a massive success and won critical acclaim for the cast, which included a young Sidney Poitier. Ooh. Who would go on to be the first black actor to win an Academy Award for Best Actor. Oh. Congratulations, Well, are you listening, Hollywood? Yeah. <laughs> and he's still alive. He's in his 90s now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And for, he was a, an ambassador to the Bahamas for a while. Wow. What a cool, cool. life. Anyway, uh, the play won acclaim for Lorraine Hansberry, who was just 29 at the time, which is oh my, my age. Goodness. It makes me feel embarrassed. Yeah. The play was nominated for four Tonys and won Hansberry the New York Drama Critics Circle Award. But tragically, her life was cut short by cancer, passing away at just 34. Oh, are you serious? Hansbury, one of her close friends, Nina Simone, wrote the song To Be Young, Gifted and Black about her. And to be young, Her friend was Nina Simone. Yeah. She had had, like clout. 
Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, she was a real mover and shaker. Four Tony time. nominations. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she was cool. <laughs> she was real cool. Uh, to be young, gifted and black was also the title of Hansbury's posthumous autobiography that her husband and a few friends put together from some of her other writing. And A Raisin in the Sun is often listed as one of the greatest plays of the 20th century alongside Death of a Salesman, Streetcar Named Desire, and the subject of a few weeks ago, Long Day's Journey into Night. Mm, I've read A Streetcar Named Desire because mm. I had to in high school. There you go. Mm. And it's fine. <laughs> I have it and have not read it. It's the one where they go, Stella! Yeah, I remember I, I started it and then I couldn't continue. Yeah. I was just, you know, sometimes you get bored at the start of a book sometimes. Oh, just watch the yes. movie. The sisters make out. You'd like If you like Flowers in the Attic, you'd love it. I didn't say I liked Flowers in the Attic. <laughs> you said you lo- it's your favourite book. I said I love Flowers you in the Attic. You love the subject matter. <laughs> By the way, can we talk, when I was a teenager, I... I I, I got obsessed with V.C. Andrews' Flowers in the Attic series, mostly because it was like these kids are in this goddamn attic. I don't know. So you do about, love it. So tell me about it. I genuinely, I, don't know. I genuinely enjoyed it, but mostly for like there was hardly any incest in, in the first book. <laughs> there was one incest scene. I thought. it was barely any incest. It was mostly a uh, 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 strange happenings in which uh, a child. Stuff happens. People die. There's a crazy family situation. For example, kids are hidden. <laughs> yes. Um, well, they're, they're hidden in an attic. Is that they're hidden in an attic? No, don't know. I can't. I don't want to spoil it. You know, because you're going to do it for the podcast. Oh right. Um, okay. And is, the, is the author dead? The author is dead. Fantastic. But she she Bring did. I'm just going to start killing authors she, of books. I like. She died like pretty like she died pretty early on right but then they had a ghostwriter come in and write like, <gasps> she wrote from beyond the grave like 50 more books like so many more books and i remember buying one of the ghost written books to see what it was like as a teenager and in every single one of them <laughs> it was basically they used her formula so it was like there's an orphaned or abandoned kid with a bad family situation who's actually going to accidentally fuck her brother <laughs> it's like there's a new kid in town and then you find out that the parents used to date later on so the kids don't know and then every single ghost written oh, no. vc andrews book has somehow got family incest in it and They're i used like, to think it was so funny because was... i remember i'd try and get the book and i'd try and guess how they were related <laughs> I was like, how's this going to be? Is it going to be cousin? Is it going to be sibling? Is it going to be uncle? <laughs> I don't know. And at the end of the day, I was like, we've got to, this has got to stop happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. This ghostwriter thinks that's the thing that all her books must. That's People what she cared about. <laughs> it's not the crazy family dynamic of what yeah. was happening like, in the mystery of it all. It was definitely the one sex. <laughs> was it in her will? She said, all right, I give permission for these to go on, but there must be at least one scene of incest in every book from now on. I have a real incest <laughs> thing. You must continue that. If you're writing in my name, there's got to be incest. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sad to say there is no incest in a raisin in the sun. Should we bother continuing? Danielle's out. She's stormed out. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> All right. As it is a play, we start with Act 1, Scene 1. And these are the stage directions that start the play. The younger living room would be a comfortable and well-ordered room if we're not for a number of indestructible contradictions to this state of being. Its furnishings are typical and undistinguished and their primary feature now is that they have clearly had to accommodate the living of too many people for too many years and they are tired. That is the description of the younger family's house in Chicago. 
The two-bedroom home houses more people than it was designed for, as it says. One bedroom is shared by the matriarch of the house, Mama, and her 20-year-old... <laughs> this is another good name. Her 20-year-old daughter, Benita, also... Benita? Benita. Are you instantly imagining bunk beds? Yes, I am. <laughs> Guess who's on the bottom bunk? Wait, is that true? No. Oh. <laughs> no way mama's getting on the top bunk. Yeah, no. That's true. Beneath her is on top, which is very confusing. <laughs> uh, the other bedroom, which isn't really a bedroom, but more of a converted small breakfast room, is shared by mama's other child, Walter, and his wife, Ruth. And then there's Walter and Ruth's 10-year-old son, Travis, who sleeps on the couch in the living room. Okay. These are the characters of our play. They don't have their own bathroom, uh, sharing it with other neighbours down the hall. And our first scene is all about introducing us to the family. Our play opens on a morning with Ruth waking up first before having to wake up her husband, Walter, and their son, Travis, who goes immediately into the shared bathroom. There's, they're always racing to try and get in there before the neighbours do. That's funny. And relatable. Yeah, I mean, do you share your bathroom with the neighbours? Heaps. No, um, <laughs> but I used to live on campus and we had to share bathrooms. Oh, Naomi like? shares a house with her partner and they both have their own individual bathrooms. Is this yeah, true? we love the high life. <laughs> I just, um, I really wanted a bath, so I just found somewhere with a bath. I happened to have two bathrooms. Two bathrooms is not a prerequisite. For two me, bathrooms, how many bedrooms? Two. One bathroom per bedroom. I love it. Sometimes you mm. see listed online, particularly in America, they'll be like this 47-bedroom mansion and then you click on it and it says 47 bedrooms, 50, like nine bathrooms or something. There's what? too many bathrooms in this situation. Everyone's got an ensuite plus there's a bunch of family bathrooms. I guess they're downstairs oh, no, for the, when there's parties. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I forgot about the parties. Yeah. Is that why you have two bathrooms? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah and then for, like, One's for parties. Years <laughs> later, I was talking to the guy who lived next door to me and he made a joke about me being naked all the time. And I was like, what? Hang on, what? Anyway, it turns out it was because I would walk like the three meters from my room to the bathroom, like wearing a towel. He considered that to be me walking around <laughs> everywhere naked. I mean, I'm still. Why, how does he it's know? Like, yeah, I guess I'm naked under all this cloth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm naked right now, except for a few things. Um, why could he see you in your towel? Because I would walk from my room to the bathroom in the towel. Oh, you're talking about on college. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were still in your the house you're in now and one of your neighbours is commenting. With my life partner. <laughs> yeah, but one of your neighbours is commenting I'm like, and you're still like, oh, he just means in the towel. And I was still like, why are they watching you in a towel? I invite him in. I yeah. say, come in. We've got two bathrooms. <laughs> Perfect for a party. <laughs> so Ruth's working up Travis, her son, and Walter, her husband. We click, quickly learn that day-to-day money is tight in the family when young Travis asks his mother, Ruth, for 50 cents to take to school, but she tells Travis that they can't afford it. Travis says, oh, maybe I could get the money from Mama then, his grandmother, and Ruth tells him to stop asking money for from Mama. Young Travis offers to carry people's grocery bags to their car in exchange for tips. He will work for the money, but his mother is concerned that the boy will get sick in the cold weather, so she says no to that idea as well. But then Travis's father, Walter, overhears them talking and he totally undermines his wife and gives his son not only 50 cents, but he gives him a whole dollar. Oh, my God. No, nah, not on. And tells his kid to take a cab to school or something. What? Excuse me? Yeah. He says this all whilst looking at his wife in the eyes. So it's it's a real show-off, you know, big dick move. 
Why are you showing off to your wife? This this is absolutely the same as when I was a teenager and I would go to the shops with my friends and I'd always ask dad for money instead of mum because my mum would give me 20 and my dad would give me 50. $50. $50. For snacks. Well, no, no, no. Because you asked for no, it. No, for like to the shopping centre. So you could buy, oh, you could go sorry. to JJ's or Diva. Right. Are you serious? Yeah, sometimes. That's, That's why I'd go oh to dad gosh. instead of mum. Oh, because mum only gave you $20. Only gave me 20 I never got pocket money. And I'd only get to go to the shops maybe once every two months. <laughs> I never got any pocket money. And I had to do all the mowing <laughs> on the ride-on mower for like four <laughs> acres and scoop the pool and all the other chores. I cooked dinner a lot of times too and vacuumed and mopped. Right. My but, mom would get angry so you- if I didn't vacuum the architraves. <laughs> You earned that money at JJ's. Yeah, I get that money. Okay, right? that that actually is fair. Thank you. I think I, I thought you were like going like every weekend. You're no. going and being like, oh, my mum only gives me a twenty. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Okay, that's fair. Thank was there you. any good work on the was there, ever, was there ever a time where you were like, I'm going to hit up mum and dad and hope that they don't talk? No. Ooh. Try and get Absolutely seventy dollars for JJ's. <laughs> Buy half the damn shop. <laughs> no, I would never do that because my mum would have mentioned or she'd do it. Yeah, I, I don't reckon there's any way I could get could have gotten seventy off them. Yeah, okay. I don't reckon I could have. Well, done that. not enough mowing in this you world for seventy. Not enough mowing. Do you know they used to rip me off so much when I used to get paid to do the ironing? They gave me five cents an item. Wow, is that, and I used to do it. Do we start? That's to, insane. Do you start to iron things like socks. No, no, no. They just but like we had so much ironing. It was just business shirt after business shirt. <laughs> oh, my dad. Per business shirt. Per business shirt. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is child abuse. I get where this kid's coming from. Did you grow up in the 20s? No, I'm <laughs> actually very young. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he gives the kid a dollar and he's a bit like, sure, we can afford it. It's cool. Trying to make his son think that they're not as uh, poor as they are. The bickering couple. Ruth and Walter keep talking about a check. We're not 100% sure what it is, but it's clear to us that there's money coming in soon from somewhere. Mm. And Walter says that he wants to spend it on investing in a liquor store with his friends. Night before, he had some friends over, and he and two friends, including Willie Harris and a guy named Bobo, they want to go into business together. I would definitely not go into business with a guy called Bobo. (laughs) Uh, previously, Walter missed out on investing in his friend's now very successful dry cleaning business, and he doesn't want to miss out again. So the new business requires each of the friends to uh, invest $10,000. Well, it's quite a lot of money. What's that now? I worked it out. I did, I did an inflation calculator, and it's now- I knew you would. I oh, know. What a nerd. <laughs> it's like 80000 US dollars. Whoa. So about 120000 of our Australian dollars. That is Whoa. a lot. Yeah. I thought it was going to be $30,000. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be well, that different. How wrong you were. I was very wrong. Mm. That's okay, though. Can't Thank believe you. I went on the inflation calculator. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that this $10,000 figure is, is all of the money that the family have in the check I just mentioned. Oh. It is. Uh, we discover it's the life insurance from Mama's husband who's just passed away and the family are about to get 10 large. Wow. That is genuinely heaps. That is a lot. And the crux of the play is essentially what will the family do with this large amount of money? And everyone has their own plan for it. <gasps> Houses fun. are cheaper back then. You buy a house. That's what you well, – okay. What, <sighs> That's the long game. What other options are you thinking are on the table? Obviously there's a liquor store. <laughs> that's, um, that's my go-to. Stocks. Okay. Yeah. You know, you Bitcoin. invest in 
what was big? <laughs> what was going on in the sixties? Did they have stocks in the sixties? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You I'd know. invest in Apple. You should. Did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, Dow Jones was that going on back then? Yeah. yeah. I reckon. I, yeah. I don't know. Oil. I know. I was going to say oil, but then I thought that's not good. They didn't know about that then. Yeah, but you know about it now. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm saying if I was in that mindset at the time, (laughs) without today's things that you know, maybe that's what I'd do. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, We then meet Beneatha from the top bunk, Walter's youngest sister. (laughs) Wait, is she actually on the top? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure about their sleeping arrangements. So sorry. Uh, she wakes up and instantly starts bickering with her older brother, Walter. Beneath her is a 20-year-old medical student, and it seems her brother has an issue with that, thinking that she should be studying something more ladylike, and he's also annoyed that her studying will cost the family money, and uh, she'll probably end up being a nurse anyway. I, I'm i going to say first impressions, not a fan of Walter. No. Oh, okay. Don't like Walter. I don't know why. Yeah. Can't put your finger on it? It's like random of me. Something about him disrespecting his wife. And then also his sister. His sister. Mm. Hmm. That could be something to do with it. Mm. But I don't know. I don't reckon. Coincidence. Mm. Uh, Beneath argues with her brother that it's mama's check anyway and therefore mama should decide what the Absolutely. Her bloody husband just died. Walter life insurance. Yeah, I know. It's her money, right? But Walter then has to go to work as a chauffeur and he has to ask his wife Ruth for money as the dollar he proudly gave Travis was the money he needed to go to work. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) When he was like, sure we can afford it, whilst looking at his wife. Now he's like, hey, BB, um, can I need that dollar? (laughs) Oh, you really showed her, man. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) What? So he's a chauffeur and he's like disrespecting his sister for trying to get a medical degree. Yeah. Because Excuse it will me. cost money to study. She'll have to pay up front. You know what else costs money? Just giving it away for no reason. Mm, this is true. <laughs> Telling your son to take a cab to work. <laughs> to work? <laughs> take yeah, a cab yeah, to school, kid. Yeah. This is before child labour laws. I don't even go to work. I'm going to school. Just, just, just get in the cab. <laughs> go to the casino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't give the money to your teacher like you need to. Go to the casino. Put this on red for me. <laughs> Uh, finally, we meet Mama, the matriarch of the family, who enters and has a chat with Ruth, her daughter-in-law. She asks Ruth what she thinks they should do with the $10,000. And for once, Ruth seems to back her husband's idea of investing in the liquor store, saying that maybe this will give Walter back a sense of purpose and pride. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's make all household decisions about a man's pride. Mm-hmm. Who's clearly sensitive about it. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, Mama is, however, reluctant. She is morally opposed to a liquor store. Mama mm-hmm. says that she and her husband have always dreamed of living in a larger house and her hope is that they can use the money to put a down payment on a home okay. for the family to live in. Mama's got her head screwed on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here we have the three main plans for the money. Walter wants to buy the liquor store. Beneatha, the younger sister, wants an education but also thinks it's up to Mama what happens. And then Mama wants a bigger house for all of them to live in. Mm. They're the three sort of conflicting plans. All right, I'm with Mama and Beneatha. What if we do a smaller down payment on the house and then put the rest towards Beneatha's education so that if if Beneatha becomes a doctor, she'll earn that cash. Yeah, be well paid for the rest of her life. She'll pay off that house in no time. That's true. You get that Medicare check. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) 
But what about... Medicare <laughs> check. You don't think liquor stores have the potential to make... I mean, they can make they can make money, but like... Business is a risk. Yeah. And also, how many times do you hear of people who are like, I used to work at BWS and there was a certain amount of um, stock that there was allowed to be like a smash quota. And so at the end of our shift, if this was stuff that didn't smash, we would just take stuff and we'd say that it was smashed. <laughs> <laughs> you, have you ever? I've never heard that, but it sounds like that you know. A few I've heard people. of it from like four different really? guys who worked at liquor stores. <laughs> I like bottle Yeah, <laughs> you just check up. <laughs> I love the idea that at the end of the shift, early on, that they would just start smashing stuff, and then one of the people goes, "Hey, why don't we just say it's smashed and we could drink it?" That's a great plan. They have to smash it. Tim, that's a really good plan. <laughs> Let's take it. <laughs> yeah. They take the smash quota as instructions. Yeah. The smashing bottles. Why are we smashing all these? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the one risk with Beneatha is, I don't know how to tell you guys that, how, how to break this to you. There's actually a wage gap at the moment. And oh. I have a feeling that maybe a black woman in the 60s mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to be a doctor Mm-hmm. might not get much respect. Not that it's not worth doing, but something might be more lucrative. But potentially she could start up within her own community. You know what I'm saying? <gasps> yes. If, you got, if you've got uh, – I personally might feel more comfortable going to somebody who I feel like gets me and is from my perspective. I might go to a doctor like that. That's why I love Dr. Silberstein. You know, the the <laughs> white man. <laughs> Sorry, that's a that's a that's a doctor who pretty much every <laughs> lady I know in Melbourne goes to see about their vagina. Right, yeah. and do you all he relate? Does IUDs. Do you yeah. relate to him because he also mows four acre property on a lot of He's a, a nice man like me. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were going to say a woman. <laughs> no, I thought it'd be funny to mention Doctor Silberstein again. He is. God, we love him so much. So man. you know him, you know him as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, you've seen all of. <laughs> Is there all of us. And there's nothing like If you've met a woman in in Melbourne with an IUD, Dr. Silverstein. There's nothing dodgy about him, like it. he's doing it under the table or something. That's why everyone's like No, he's no, just he's the best. Just good. Right. Not like you should go see a little tap the nose. He did give me a lot of Adderall. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's very above board, very professional. Great, great. He's, he's just great. good at his job. That's yeah. why he's popular. I just wanted to yeah. ascertain that. No. Everybody yeah. I went to it. see him and he was like We've never met before, have we? And I was like, this is really hurtful. Because You've seen more of me than yeah. a lot of people, honestly. <laughs> and we talk about him so often, you know? It's like we're nothing him. Anyway, oh, just hey. let's go on. Shout out to the great man, <laughs> Dr. Dr. S. Dr. S. Dr. <laughs> uh, the scene ends with a fight between Benita and uh, Mama. We discover that Benita is dating a wealthy college student by the name of George. But she's not sure about him as he thinks he's a bit shallow. But Mama and Ruth imply that she should like him as he's quite wealthy. But the real tension happens mm. when Benita blasphemes and says, for Christ's sake, which really offends Mama, who's a deeply religious woman. Yeah, you got to be saying for heck's sake. Yes, for heck's sake. But mm. she doesn't. Mm. Benita is an atheist. She's uh Oh, yeah, an yeah, atheist. She, and she's quite um she's outspoken with her opinions. That's definitely mm. part of her character and um mm. she Not for me. It's a real Naomi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, she denounces God and Mama ends up slapping her and makes her repeat in my mother's house there is still God. So he repeats that over and over again. The scene ends with Ruth and Mama on stage alone and when Mama has her back to her, Ruth suddenly faints. Ooh. And the curtain falls. 
on Ooh, that scene. What the heck? I know. We're all like, what the heck's going on here? Why is Ruth fainting when know. Mama turns? Yeah, so she turns her back to look at a, a pot plant, I believe it is. And while she does that, Ruth falls to the floor and she turns around and goes, oh, my goodness, Ruth. Curtain. And we're all thinking, what's happening here? <laughs> well, scene two. We're all thinking. You're in the theatre. <laughs> Oh, what's happening here? Yeah. You just hear everyone in the sixties. What's happening here? What's happening here? What is happening here? The oh, chorus no. of people start comes. What's <laughs> happening here? What's happening here? What's happening? Here? <laughs> Suddenly it's a musical. Uh, scene two follows scene one. The following morning, a Saturday morning, mm, the best of all here? mornings. What's happening here? You're thinking. The family are cleaning the house and are waiting for the all important check to arrive. Mm-hmm. That's what's I'm worried. I in this. Immediately, I'm worried this check's not arriving. Okay, I that's have to say. I'm worried Walter's just going to take the check and run. Okay, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, okay. I don't trust him. I don't trust him at all because he thinks he knows best. Well, Walter is on the phone to his friend Willie Harris, the liquor store guy, one of his uh, mm. the trio that want to invest. Walter tells Willie that he'll bring the check around as soon as it arrives. In his mind, at, at least, he's decided where it will go. It's not your check. Oh, I'm mad at no. him. Ruth comes home from the doctor. Remember, Ruth was the one that fainted. And the reason she did so was she's two months pregnant. I knew it. Oh. That's what you don't need right now, isn't it? Well, uh, I thought the slap had sort of like oh, yeah. pushed her head against the side and she had brain damage. Oh, she right. got slapped. No, don't worry. I thought she got knocked out. You didn't just you didn't, <laughs> slapping someone and then realising you just slapped a pregnant woman. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Uh, no, so it was Benita who got slapped. But Ruth seems worried about being pregnant. So does her younger sister-in-law, Benita. Obviously, the house is very small already. And to welcome another person to the house, they're all wondering how this is going to work. But Mama, always the optimist, is happy about the news and just hopes for it to be a girl so she can have one grandson and one granddaughter. Mm. Ruth, however, arouses suspicion in Mama when she refers to the doctor as she, even though their usual family doctor is a man. Dr. S. Dr. Celestine. (gasps) Dr. S. I can only well, he's the best. <laughs> so good. Make- I'd be mad if Danielle came to me. So I, I went to a gynecologist. She was great. I'd be like, "What the heck? What, what the, the hell's heck? going on Why here? Why are you cheating on Silverstein? <laughs> he's the best. Is it yeah. because he constantly takes trips to the US and doesn't tell you when he's coming back? Is that true? That could be why. Yeah, he needs stuff done. You know, everybody loves him so much. He gets so much. He money. can do what he, he wants. Just go do what he wants. Yeah, damn right. Does he drive an expensive sports car? I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's it. see the thing is he works in like bulk bill. Places he does so it for the not love of it. Making money, I think he goes I mean, to the US, makes lots of money off their terrible healthcare system, then come back, comes back to Australia, and um, works the conscience, works the debt off his conscience by doing bulk bills. You stuff. say that they don't make; they still make heaps of money at bulk billing because he can Do see they? like, yeah, he can see like six, seven, eight patients an hour. Mm. Maybe even more than that if they're only in there for five minutes. Like a bulk billing fee like is still like if you look up Medicare item numbers, they're still getting paid for seeing patients and mm. they still get paid a shit ton more than like a minimum wow. wage. Well, I'm happy for him. We yeah. can look up Medicare item numbers after this, Naomi, and I'll talk to you about it. Or we can do an <laughs> estimate of his wage. <laughs> We'll be up all night. That's fine. Or I, if there's a class war, I will mm-hmm. save him from the guillotine. Okay. Really, and be like, I mean, he's a good guy. We're gonna need at least one gynecologist in the future, guys. <laughs> yeah. And he's, trust me, he's pretty yeah. good. As soon as there's none, we'll all be like, oh, I wish, I wish we kept one. <laughs> Shouldn't have paid him so much. <laughs> um. So she talks about going to a female doctor. And Can I make a prediction? I love it when you do. 
like you love it when I do. Okay. I okay. Can I make a prediction that um, Benita potentially wants to get an abortion? And uh, Ru- Ruth. 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 Sorry. Okay. Yes. You the seem pregnant to think woman. These okay, women the pregnant are the same woman. woman. Yes. Sorry. No, I got confused because I couldn't remember which one was which. But I, it will become more clear as we talk about that. Yes, of course. Well. Um, so I potentially think that Ruth may want to have an abortion, and I think that potentially Mama will say. I will give you some money to do what you want to do with that if you do not get an abortion. Okay, that's an interesting prediction. Naomi, She's do you have any? She's two months pregnant. I feel like it's too late. And I feel like... Um, I feel like back then uh, they weren't allowed to get abortions anyway and they'd just be like, well, I'll sort this out somehow. I just don't... I don't, I don't see that being made in 1967. What about I don't Ad? think two months is late, is it? No, I'm pretty sure in New South Wales they just they just passed up up to four or maybe even five. Because like two With months a is like permission from a doctor. A lot yeah. of people don't even know until they're twelve weeks pregnant, right? No, Was they don't any? know until they're like six or eight weeks. Yeah, I guess that's two months. You've got to have yeah, because you've got to have time to figure it out. Twelve and then you've weeks got to have... is when you announce it. Okay, because that's you've... the rule. Yeah, because you've also got to have time to like book in the procedure. And then, like, you know, have it done. Guys, I'm on know. the uh, Wikipedia for abortion in okay, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I have not loaded this page before. But in Victoria, since 2008, <laughs> abortion, this is our state, so it does change state to state in Australia. Abortions mm. are allowed on request up to 24 weeks of pregnancy, with abortions after that time up until the child's birth requiring two doctors to agree that it's appropriate based on the women, uh, woman's current and future physical, psychological and social circumstances. So there you go, 24 yeah, two months. Yeah, but seems... that's you don't you don't get to twenty four weeks and you're like, Meh. yeah, no, that's like usually <laughs> that's like a, for medical like a issue. medical issue or something. Um, sure, sure. Anyway, I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like that's too edgy for the time. Okay, I feel like they were big into that stuff for plays and stuff. You got to remember, it was the time of free love. Yeah, and plays I'm sure were there was a few unplanned pregnancies. This is the arts, Naomi. The arts has always been edgy. It's been the edgiest place in society. The arts. Oh She's goodness, already yeah. like the first black woman. Yeah, and she's play. making a fucking name for herself. Yeah, she is. She is. <laughs> a heckin' name for herself, Yeah, uh, sorry, a heckin' name <laughs> for Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hecked. I'm going to wash out your heckin' mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Benita, the younger sister. Yes. Who's still 20, the medical student, invites another boy around, a, a different boy this time, very different to the wealthy George she spoke of in the first scene. Ooh. This other boy is... Asa guy. An artist? Well, a Nigerian man who wants Benita to connect with her African heritage. He brings her uh, a traditional robe and chastises her for straightening her hair. I've heard about these guys. And not embracing the, the naturally curly hair. And he names her Alayo, which is, um, he says this is what your name would be in Nigeria, which roughly translates as one for whom bread, food, is not enough. One you, for what? whom bread what? food is not enough. One for whom bread food is not enough. I think it's more it's like um someone who has lofty lofty aspirations. So bread is not enough for you. No, okay. You want so, yeah. Okay. You want more out of life. I think mm. that's what he's trying to tell her. Yeah, no. Nah. Asa guy is in love with Benita, but she is not sure if she returns his love. But she does enjoy um having debates with him about colonialism in Africa. <laughs> And this is the guy who's quite wealthy as well? No, no this one's guy. not wealthy, no. Okay, sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah, so George is the wealthy one that she thinks is shallow. This is the other one who wants her to be uh, 
in connection with more of her, her oh African heritage. These are the kind of guys who are like super against like interracial marriage oh, or relationships. Because they think like you're cheating on your race or something. Or? Yeah. I imagine that this uh, Nigerian dude would have had that opinion, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But after Asagai leaves, the check arrives and everyone is very excited. The check that we've all been waiting for. It actually arrives? It arrives. I don't know why I thought it so, wouldn't sorry, arrive. Sorry, it arrives. <laughs> so disappoint you there. Uh, everyone is stoked until Mama realises that after uh, her husband's life boiled down to this one check and for a time she's sad about it. She's well, like, His I entire mean, life is $10,000. Oh. You have two kids and soon to be two grandkids, so yeah. chill out. That's right. He lives on. Yeah, Mama, stop being so sad. You get free money, all right? Get over it, Mama. <laughs> well, Mama is still talking. Uh, sorry, Walter is still talking about the liquor store, but Mama shoots his idea down and he is very frustrated. Mama tries to talk to him about his pregnant wife. He hasn't heard yet, <laughs> but he's too preoccupied by the money to take any notice of what she's saying. <laughs> Finally, Walter admits that he is ashamed of his career and that he is ashamed of being poor. He says to her, quote, Mama, sometimes when I'm downtown and I pass them cool quiet-looking restaurants where them white boys are sitting back and talking about things, sitting there, turning deals worth millions of dollars. But Mama cuts him off. She is shocked by his obsession with money. Mm. She tries to put it into perspective for her son by telling him that for their ancestors, freedom was the most important thing. She says, quote, Once upon a time, freedom used to be life. Now it's money. I guess the world really do change. End quote. There's some fantastic one-liners in this. I mean, I'd say to... In my opinion, that's a good change. Yeah. <laughs> that you don't have to wish for freedom anymore. That's just one girl's opinion. Yes. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. It's but- like it reminds me of those people like, back in my day, we shipped kids off to war. Now they're allergic to nuts. <laughs> like, well, I think it's better. <laughs> nah, ship them off, I reckon. <laughs> Uh, Walter. Peanut shells and bullet shells, all the same thing to me. <laughs> uh, Walter's still not listening to Mama. So she says to him that she suspects Ruth is considering getting an abortion. Okay. <gasps> right. Boom. Walter suddenly listens. He denies that Ruth wow. would ever consider such a thing. But, but uh, then Mama counters quote, When the world gets ugly enough, a woman will do anything for her family. End quote. As in the abortion. Yes. Mm. But Ruth overhearing them, she's in another room, she admits that she's already put a down payment on the procedure. Mm-hmm. <gasps> what the what the That's heck? why she didn't want to give that fifty cents. You gotta keep keep get that keep that yeah, going. That's right. Keep that going and be like, this one's costing me heaps. <laughs> I wanna get rid of this other one. You know? <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Walter is stunned into silence. He can't believe that his wife is considering this. Mama asks him to stand up like his father would in this situation and tell Ruth that she just can't get rid of the baby and that they'll find a way to afford it. <laughs> Be a real man. <laughs> tell her what to do. <laughs> but Walter cannot speak. He is literally stunned into silence. The scene ends with Mama leaving as she says, you are a disgrace to your father's memory. Who, Walter? Yeah. And the curtain falls. They are not having a good time, I have to say. It's not no. going. It's not going too well. This is why you this curtain just continually, continuously falling it's going after up and every down, scene. Up and down, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how are you supposed to change the scene? Isn't if it all can't... set in the house? Yeah, you could have just faded black, bit of groovy music, 
bit of jazz or something plays while people like move set pieces on. You know, there's people mm-hmm. that are they're trying to look inconspicuous. <laughs> yeah, they're running across <laughs> the stage in all black yeah. with a lamppost. You can't see me. <laughs> oh, this lamppost is moving on its own. Ooh. <laughs> That's still weird. <laughs> I do love watching if you go see like Les Mis or something and they got so many sets to pull yeah. in and out. They're like trying to pull the barricades in. Change it to a normal scene. You're like, that's not. We see what's happening. I can see you. You can just move it normally. It'll be the same effect. <laughs> well, uh, Act Two is uh, Saturday night. Benita is going out on a hot date with one of her Another suitors. Guy? No, she's wearing the oh, Nigerian. I was like Benita. All right. I'm loving it. She's wearing the Nigerian dress that Asar guy got her, but the date is actually with the other man, George. Oh, I am in love with Benita. <laughs> well, <laughs> choose me instead. <laughs> well, George is shocked to see that Benita has left her hair curly, and Benita accuses him of being a quote an assimilationist Negro, basically in quote basically denying their African roots. So, so one guy judges her if she. Straightens her hair, and the other one judges her if she doesn't. Yeah, basically. You can't win. maybe they're both not great, and she doesn't fully agree with either of them. <laughs> but they're both a bit more radical one way than she is. Does that make sense? So yeah. she's like, "Oh, maybe it's a good idea for me to not straighten my hair." But also, I don't know about moving to Africa and doing what you say. Hmm. Yeah, they have a debate about that, uh, George and Benita. But eventually, Benita changes, and they go on the date. But she does leave her. He hair. makes her change. Yes, but she does leave her hair curly. Oh, so. God God forbid she looks well, too African. Of course. Do you know how hard it would be to straighten your hair if your hair is super curly? Yeah. Also, super in 1967, they, don't have no they wouldn't have DHDs. Yeah, there's no good hair days here. <laughs> oh, my God. Not happening. <laughs> well, Mama comes in and excitedly tells the entire remaining family after Benita goes that she has used the check to put a deposit down for a house for the family. Yes. Ruth is happy with this news and so is young Travis. But Walter remains very quiet. He holds his tongue over his disappointment. Mama tells them that the address is 406 Clybourne Street, Clybourne Park. And Walter hears this and he has had enough. He believes this to be a white neighbourhood and, quote, says, there ain't no coloured people living in Clybourne, Clybourne Park. Mama gets defensive and tells him that she tried her best and that she bought the nicest house she could for the least amount of money. She argues that houses in coloured neighbourhoods go for twice the price. So she's like, that's where I'm moving. Does, wonder why that is. I think maybe supply and demand type thing. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to stay in this particular neighbourhood, there's less houses for sale. So you're like, well, I'm going to buy one. Because they're currently renting and I imagine they don't have a lot of money and they can barely afford to rent. So... Mm. The house is, you know, there's not many going. Ruth considers uh, the two sides for a moment, but she chooses to be happy. She's happy to get away from the tiny apartment no matter where they move. So she's like, oh, I, I don't, she doesn't really want to live in this, uh, what is considered a white neighborhood, but she's like, anything is better than this tiny apartment with five people living in it. So she goes for it. Mm. I listened to a podcast on like um, communities in America with like, black and white people living together. They had these like experiment communities where they would sell half the houses to black people and half the houses to white people and there was like this beautiful utopia. But then like the other ones, like the white neighbourhoods, you put one black family in and they just get like harassed out. So it makes sense to me that they don't want to be there. Right, right, yeah. 
But I mean, how how do you change it if you don't if you don't let people in? Yeah. Well, you got to sell fifty fifty. You got to do some sort of quota system, I guess. Yeah, but then is that racist? No. <laughs> <laughs> they made some like there was some very complicated arguments for and against it, which I've promptly forgotten all of them. All right. What's this podcast? If you want to listen to it, uh, it was it's on. The podcast theme was about utopias. I can't remember the name of it, but it was very interesting. They also had another episode on Oneida, which I believe you did an episode of on Do Go On. Oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, sex cult. Another utopia, yeah. There was a sex cult that became a uh, dinnerware company. And I, when Matt Stewart, the reporter that week, said dinnerware, I imagined suits. So I started making jokes (laughs) about uh, Peter Jackson. Was this a live podcast? Yeah, this is in front of uh, like 250 people in Sydney and no one was on my side. And I was like, why why aren't people laughing at Peter Jackson, which is a suits shop? I was like, maybe they don't have it in New South Wales. Did you bring that up on the podcast? Oh, yeah, I went, Peter Jackson. (laughs) I thought Peter Jackson, I didn't even think Peter Jackson. I I thought, is that a director? Maybe that is Peter Jackson. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the first Peter Jackson that popped to my mind. <laughs> no, what is I can't. I'm, I'm totally blanking. People at home are freaking out. Stop yelling. I'm, I'm Googling it. It is also Peter Jackson. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Maybe that's why they were so confused. Yeah, because I was thinking I was like the guy who directed, is it Godzilla or something uh, like Lord that? Of the, Lord, like, of Lord of the Rings. Rings. Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. Godzilla. <laughs> um, I knew town, he was in New he did, Zealand. He did King Kong as King well. King Kong, right? yeah. Um, anyway. The podcast uh, called Nice Try and the episode is about Levittown. Thank you so much for. There you go. Thank you. Check that out on your on your podcast app, I assume. But, yeah, the uh, the Oneida, Oneida community, um, I kept referencing Dinnerware until Matt had to be like, look, mate, you've definitely. Misconstrued. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's a stupid word for cutlery. And. Um, <laughs> And there was like two. Was he talking about like silver and stuff like that yeah. as well? Like there plates was... and stuff. He's yeah. just talking about forks the whole time. And yeah, I'm like, like, what are you talking about? And, and then... always goes on about how much a wedge wood is going to be worth one day. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was two people in the, like there were two dudes in the audience at the end were like, yeah, I was with you, man. I didn't know what dinnerware was. Man, that is so embarrassing. Oh, invited my girlfriend along to watch the show for the first time. She's sitting there thinking, this oh, guy's an idiot. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so Ruth's on board, Travis is on board, Mama's on board. They're going to move to this neighbourhood despite it being a white neighbourhood. Mama then notices that Walter has gone silent and speaks to him. She says, son, you, you understand what I've done, don't you? I, I just seen my family falling apart today, just falling to pieces in front of my eyes. We couldn't have gone on like we was today. And Walter replies, what you need me to say you've done right for. You're the head of this family. You run our lives like you want to. It was your money and you did what you wanted with it. So what you need me to say it was all right for. So you butchered up a dream of mine, you who always talking about your children's dreams, end quote. And this scene ends with him storming out. So there's lots and lots of storm outs in this play. <laughs> okay, this was not your money, Walter. No, it's, it was never your money. It was never your money. Your mum just lost her partner. I don't know how old she is, but she may not be able to work now. No, I think, yeah, she's now... Beyond working age, yeah. So she needs to be able to look after herself because seemingly you don't give a shit about her. Mm. No. And you're not very good with money. No. Awful with money. Trying to send your kid off to school in a chauffeured car. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then he's like, oh, hang on, I'm the chauffeur. I'm a chauffeur. <laughs> Fuck. I need to get him to yeah. pay me back. Uh, yeah. That's how he gets the 50 I'll drive you, but you got to pay me. Yeah. Good morning, young sir. Where would you like to go? Uh, Dad, please take me to school. That'll be one shiny dollar. Please give it back. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, a few <laughs> weeks go by and the curtain rises on a Friday night. So they're sitting in the theatre for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in, re- it's in real time and I cannot stress that enough. That's why this show was such a hit uh, with audiences because it was something new, but financially it was a real flop. Free accommodation. It was, it was a $20 ticket and the play went for uh, two months. <laughs> they only performed it twice. A few weeks go by, curtain rises, Friday night. George, the man from the rich family, is trying to make moves on Benita and kiss her. But she's not interested. She'd rather talk to him. He tells her... You're a nice-looking girl all over. That's all you need, honey. Forget the atmosphere. I don't go out with you to discuss the nature of quiet desperation to hear all about your thoughts. Okay. We all right. have. God. I'm team the other guy. <laughs> we have a wordsmith. Oh my God. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> Benita has you know heard. I don't really like this George. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really like this George guy. I don't know why. She's heard enough and she asked him to leave. Good. Mama enters as George is leaving and she senses the tension and asks beneath her what happened and ends up telling her daughter, you shouldn't have to suffer fools. So she's, even though at the start of the play, she's like, be with that guy because he's rich now. She's like, if he's an idiot, don't waste your time with him. Yeah. What a loser. What an absolute loser. Uh, Later in the scene, Ruth gets a call from Walter's boss and she hears that her husband hasn't been to work for three days and that he's at risk of losing his job. Oh, my God. Mm. This fool. Walter comes in. They ask ask him where he's been, and he confesses he's been driving around in his friend's car, wandering around the city aimlessly and visiting a jazz bar called Green Hat. (laughs) Great name for a jazz bar. Green Hat. Green Hat. She's upset that he doesn't have enough money, so he's like, I'm just going to not work. I'm going to stop working. (laughs) I don't like him one bit. Well, seeing that her son is a broken man in deep crisis, Mama tells Walter that she only spent $3,500 on the deposit for the house. Leaving $6,500. Mama. She gives the money to Walter and tells him to put $3,000 in the bank for Benita's school and to keep the rest for himself. Uh, he's not going to put that he's in not the school. do that. You know, Mama, you had, no. You had a pretty good prediction earlier. Yes. Now. Thank you. Naomi didn't believe in me. As per usual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think you're dumb. <laughs> See, she's a real Greg. <laughs> What is his name? Did I get Greg? Walter? George? George. Oh, George. She's a real George. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. thinks they should be seen yeah. and not yeah. heard. Less of the talking, all right? <laughs> That's why I started a podcast with you. <laughs> so you'd shut up. <laughs> so you could talk over it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just stop you there. <laughs> um, Mama's like, she sees her, Walter upset and she says to him, quote, there ain't nothing worth holding on to. Money, dreams, nothing else. If it means, if it means it's going to destroy my boy. 
So that's why she's giving him the money. Don't give him. Walter <sighs> cannot believe his mother is placing this much trust in him and he immediately transforms. He starts telling his son, Travis, in seven years when Travis is 17, his life will be different and they'll live in a large house with fancy cars and that Travis will get to choose where he goes to college. The scene ends with ridiculous optimism. So it's a real U-turn for old Walter. And it's going to go great for the rest of the play, I'm sure yeah, this of it. feels like it's a real happy ending. <laughs> yeah, right? Here we go. Well, it's a week later and it's moving day. The family are preparing to move to the next chapter in their lives. And with this new sense of hope and optimism in the air, everyone is getting along well for the first time. The doorbell suddenly rings and a white man named Mr. Carl Linder, dressed in a suit, stands at the door. Everyone is very shocked to see him. I thought this was an all-black cast. This is... Oh, there's some removalists as well that don't have any lines. I'm not sure if their race is <laughs> described, but this is definitely the uh, the one white character. Mr. Carl Linder, dressed in a suit, stands at the door. He wants to speak with Mama, but as she is out, he instead speaks to Walter. Mm-hmm. Mr. Linder explains that he is from the Clybourne, Clybourne Park. I don't know why I can't say Clybourne. 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 C-L-Y. Clybourne Park. He's from the Clybourne Park. Clybourne. Clybourne. <laughs> Hey, I'm from Clyboyne. We'll just say Clyboyne from now on. Clyboyne. He explains he's from the Clyboyne Park Improvement Association. Clyboyne Park being the suburb the family are moving into, the one of the white white suburb. (laughs) Linda explains that recently a black family moved into a white neighbourhood and then a bomb went off and that he and the residents of Clyborne Park want to avoid such a situation. It's what you were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. where you have one family move into a predominantly black area and then there's tension. Yes. That's what he's talking about. White area. This is Carl Linder explaining why his association doesn't want the younger family moving into their white neighbourhood. Oh, because he's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> this is I'm it. just worried about you. <laughs> it's quite a long quote, but it really does sum up what, what he's talking about. You've got to admit that a man, right or wrong, has the right to want to have the neighbourhood he lives in a certain kind of way. And at the moment, the overwhelming majority of our people out there feel that people get along better take more of a common interest in life of the community when they share a common background. I want you to believe me when I tell you the race prejudice simply doesn't enter it. It isn't a matter of the people of Clybourne Park believing rightly or wrongly, as I say, that for the happiness of all concerned, that our Negro families are happier when they live in their own communities. What? what? He's, so he said it's not about me. race and then yeah. also in the same sentence said... The it's definitely about race. Yeah. It's not about race. I just think that like because you're black, like we've don't got move different here. backgrounds and stuff, so we wouldn't get you. We wouldn't get you. But he's trying to make it. I'm doing you a favor, guys. I'm doing this is for you as well as it is for me. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Linda goes on to offer the family double their down payment if they withdraw their deposit and don't move into the neighborhood. Walter is taken aback and extremely offended and demands that the man leaves immediately. Hmm. Good. So there you go. But then that double the money. Double the money. You can go get <laughs> one of those other houses. Move in into the, the black yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, but then I guess you don't want to be chased out. You don't yeah. want to be chased out. Yeah, right. But you also, of it all. you might not. You might have a nice. You might not have it. the energy to be the. <laughs> yeah, be the person who has, has to deal with the bombs. <laughs> Just can't be bothered being bombed. <laughs> Yeah, well, last week I did a John Steinbeck novel, Cannery Row, and there was a, these s- s- dudes, uh, the squatters, that asked a, 
a um a local businessman if they could move into his uh, abandoned factory that he owned and they're like well we'll pay you all this money and the guy knew that if he accepted they were never going to pay the money but he also knew if he said no that they were likely to cause trouble for him and the factory might mysteriously burn down so he strategically mm. decided to let this people he said yes just to keep them on side and they end up being good allies for him so did they pay him money they didn't pay him the money but it, oh, it, good it paid allies. Off, yeah but it paid off in other ways for okay. his business so imagine, allyship well these one one of the, important in any business allyship <laughs> Like I always w- worry about like um, if you park your car somewhere, I don't know if you've ever like battled someone for a space, a mm. car space, mm. you're both indicating for it and whoever mm. gets it. If I get the space, I still don't feel comfortable parking there because I know that I'm leaving my car there and I could come back and they've scratched the car, right? I I hate when people, if you've, uh, if there's another car indicating for a space, I would never indicate for oh, space. Oh, me either, no. But what psychos do that? It happened to me yesterday and I was like, you are the worst person. You are, what, so you don't have the patience to drive around for 20 more seconds to find a car so park? Who won? Who got the spot? They got the spot. Did you, all right, and did you because key their car? They, no, because they <laughs> were in the, like, you know how it's like you've yeah. got to, if, like, the person's reversing it, it really depends on... Which like way the they way go. they're going to go. They snaked you. They snaked me. And I was like, how dare you? I've been waiting since that person got in that car. I saw them walk over with the groceries and I was like, I'm going to stop here put my indicator on. Then, Is that how you said it? I'm going to stop here put my indicator on. <laughs> yeah, I did say it like that. I said it to myself because I like to talk to myself in my car. And then, yeah, then last second when this guy's already back, this big black car that's definitely owned by a lady who's like, I definitely need this four-wheel drive to go pick up my kid from school. Range Rover. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. She's got anyway, money. Anyway, that's stupid bitch. Oh, <laughs> damn. You're like triggering me and make me think. I went to Chadston on Christmas Eve last year. Oh, my God. Because I'm an idiot and we were driving around for honestly like an hour and we found a car park and someone snaked us. Mm. So then we just did it to someone else because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Oh, no. Naomi. That someone did it to us. Yes. Be the change you want to see yeah, in the you're world. you're part of the problem, mate. No, I was about And then to I, that happened to me it. one time and I just glared at them in the shopping centre because I saw who was driving and I glared <laughs> at that man in the shopping centre. And guess what? He was small and I was with Jono, so I made him feel like we we're going to follow him out there, <laughs> bash him up. Nice. <laughs> well, if we're all sharing car park stories, my the one that I had, in the, in the, I was in the city in the Melbourne CBD. It was Saturday night, couldn't find a park. I finally saw one. I was pulling into it and then indicating to pull into it, to reverse into it. And then a man... Drove into it and I was like, what the hell, man? Like, one my window down. And then he looked exactly like, uh, Ken, do you know the comedy actor Ken Jong, the guy from the Hangover yeah. community and things like that? He looked exactly like him and he got out of the car and went, ha ha, sucker. <laughs> and I, I, it was so funny that I couldn't be mad at him anymore. It was so funny. Do you think he knows that he looks yeah. exactly like that thing? Because like, that's a quote, yeah. right? Is that a quote? <laughs> Isn't that like a thing he says in The Hangover? Does he say that? <laughs> I, I think he does say that. Was well, he jumping out of the boot of the car and naked? <laughs> naked? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, he said that he, and I was like, oh, maybe it was him. And he, that's could have been him. So Very I, funny. I went from, from being super angry to being like, well, well played. All right, you, you, can, you can have that, whatever. I'd still be angry. Yeah. If, he, if somebody called me a sucker because yeah. they stole my fucking car park, I reckon I'd go them so hard. Yeah. 
I can't. I can't believe people do this. Sorry, I'm going to talk about this for an hour, so we got to continue okay. because I will just. That's the only time we've ever done it. I mean, technically it was Mark, but I just want to say, hurt people, hurt people, and that's why we did it because we'd already been driving around for an hour. I wasn't about to let it happen again. And that chain reaction has continued on. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, of you. that's okay. You should have stopped it. <laughs> Christmas was over the next day, yeah. so I feel like it probably calmed down. <laughs> Thank God. But then there's Boxing Day sales. Oh dear. Oh, why would you do that? I don't know. That's crazy. Well, actually, we got a really good. Um, you know those like Dutch ovens? They actually cost a lot of money usually. Aldi. No, we went to House, and House had them like fifty percent off because it was Boxing Day. But Boxing Day. But then my mum got um Jono for Christmas a uh, $100 gift card and then he only had to pay $100 for the Dutch oven it was marked down so it was $400 Danielle. originally 50% off then he only paid what, $100 what is the Danielle what I'm so sorry but you're an absolute fool because Aldi sells a duplic like a dupe how of big these- is it it's the same size. It looks exactly the okay, same. Okay, well, nobody told us this, did and they? And they're $30. Stop ruining <laughs> our bargain. What's, what is what a Dutch oven? It's like a... It's almost I, like, I only it's know like it in a, the context of farting under a donut. I think it's like some sort of metal, is it? I don't know, metal or something. It's real heavy. It's a crock pot. It's like a, yeah, it's like a big crock pot. You can cook it in the it's oven. It's like cast iron, You right? can use it. Yeah, that's it, I think. And then you can like use it in the ground as well if you want to cook oh, some Oh, yeah, I know these the things. Whenever they... Whenever Aldi's selling them, people line up like in the morning to go get them because they're exactly the same and work exactly the same. Okay, well, how the fuck would we have known that? And then they're all gone as soon as they're there. Sorry, how the heck? (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Sorry, I'm really, I go from so zero to angry this tonight. Oh, wow. There's like articles on news.com.au. Aldi brings back $23 dupe of luxury cooking product. (laughs) Last time it went on sale, it sold out within seconds. And judging from the excitement on social media, this year will be even quicker. How can it be quicker than seconds? Yeah, exactly. How am I supposed to get that? (laughs) Oh, we just went to a shop and we just went to an Aldi and they were still there like two days later. I think it depends on the Aldi. Yeah. Anyway, um, keep an eye out for that, everyone, because it is amazing. Cooked a cooked a roast chicken in there. Well done. Well, you'll have to have me over for dinner and cook a roast chicken sometime. Okay, anything to get you to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that promise. <laughs> All right, so Walter asked the man to leave, extremely offended that he offers to basically buy him out because of his race. Then mm. there's another ring at the door, and this time it is for Walter. It's his friend Bobo the one who was going thirds in the liquor store business with Walter. Walter was excited to see Bobo and to hear how the business is going. Last Walter heard was that he and Bobo would give the money to Willie Harris, who would meet Bobo at the train station, and together Bobo and Willie Willie would go and get a liquor license so they could start the business. But Bobo is visibly upset. He reveals to Walter that Willie never showed up at the station and that Willie has run off with their money. Willie. The worst part for Walter is... He didn't just give $3,500 to Willie. He invested all the remaining money. I knew it. Meaning that he's also lost his $3,000 for his sister's medical school. And a little bit extra for his wife's abortion. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) Walter goes berserk. He screams. There's There's lots and lots of dialogue here, but the key line is he screams, that money is made out of my father's flesh. I mean, that's That's so much money. That's like $90,000 Australian AUD. (laughs) But how much is it in Swiss francs? (laughs) (laughs) Probably similar. (laughs) 
I think the exchange rate is quite small. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mama hears the news and is also understandably upset, talking of how she watched her husband work himself to death for that money and that... for, for, for you know, for his family, and that for Walter to give it away in one day is absolutely heartbreaking. Mm. The act ends with Mama asking God for strength, and the curtain falls. <laughs> okay, we've got one act and one scene to go. There's one scene to go in this play. How many play. scenes in this play? This, this is the final scene. Mm. There's not that many scenes. We have yeah, a there's... lot to wrap up. <laughs> if we've got one oh, scene you are left, so stressed. yeah, we're five scenes in. Two in the first act, three in the second. One and the third. Is there a They're sequel long to this scenes, play? I suppose. There is no sequel. There's no sequel. I need to know what happens when they move into that neighbourhood. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Let's make some <laughs> Oh, they're going to be bullied. I don't uh, want them to be bullied. I think, um, I think, uh, what's his name? Walter. Walter is going to go and take that deal. He's going to make it up to everyone. And then, I don't know, he'll probably kill himself or something. Okay. That's a good idea. Go get that deposit. <laughs> Do you mean the first? Sorry, time? no. Kill himself. Yeah, kill himself. Kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. What does he? Uh, he uh, go gets. Go gets. Oh, maybe he 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 does something with George. Maybe the rich man. Maybe he does something with him. He go gets some money. Maybe he. I don't know. Maybe he gets an apartment. Yeah, for them, buys them a bigger apartment, and then gets George to invest the money in some sort of rich George thing. Okay. Like straightening hair products, seeing as he can't deal with his <laughs> hair curl. being curly. <laughs> God forbid. He, that's the that's actually how GHD started. So I don't know if you know what it's George's. George <laughs> Hair Day. That's <laughs> <laughs> the name. Right, Good some, on him. <laughs> some fantastic predictions here. Here we go. The final act, which is indeed the final scene, takes place just one hour later. Everyone is in shock. Walter lies silently on his bed. Beneath her sits at the table. So, as a guy, the man beneath her is dating, drops by to help with the packing. He has no idea what's just happened. He's like, hey, thought you needed some help. <laughs> she says, shares with him what happened with the money and her sudden lack of hope. She reveals why she wanted to become a doctor in the first place because when she was younger, she witnessed a neighbour crash his sled and cut his face open badly. And she couldn't see a way for the kid to get better, but she was inspired to become a doctor after witnessing his miraculous recovery and pledged to help others. But with a sudden turn of events, she's lost all of her drive. Asagai, the uh, Nigerian boyfriend, invites her to leave all of this behind and go home with him to Nigeria. What, and give up on her studies? Well, he, you know, he says you can study there and then become a doctor there and then you can help real African people. Okay. Well, I mean. Real African people. None of these Africans. <laughs> Not these in fake America. Africans who straighten their hair. <laughs> Uh, she is surprised by this offer and needs time to think, so he goes. Uh, Mama comes in and talks about cancelling the removalist. In her mind, there's no way they can move now because they've got the money for the down payment, but there's no more money coming in. She thinks about back about how her whole life she's been told she's always aimed too high and for once she admits they were right. But Ruth, her daughter-in-law, won't have any of it. She still wants to move, pleading with Mama... I'll work. I'll work 20 hours a day in all the kitchens in Chicago. I'll strap my baby on my back if I have to and scrub all the floors in America and wash all the streets in America if I have to. But we got to move. we got to get out of here. But Mama has decided that rather than move, they should just buy new furniture for their small apartment and spruce that up instead. Absolutely not. You have a kid sleeping on a couch, you got another kid coming, and then you and your husband are sleeping in the dining room? 
Absolutely not. Well, maybe. Then your mum's in a bunk bed. Yeah. No, <laughs> you need to get out of there. Maybe she could buy a couple of sets of bunk beds. <laughs> she says, sometimes you just got to know when to give up some things and hold mm. on to what you got. And at that moment, Walter enters. He's been out on an errand. Yes. He explains he made a phone call to Mr. Linda, the white man, nice. that he plans to accept uh, his offer and accept the money to stop them moving into the white neighborhood. He's tired of being taken advantage of, he says. But Mama can't believe what she's hearing. She says to her son, Son, I come from five generations of people who were slaves and sharecroppers, but ain't nobody in my family never let anybody pay him no money that was a way of telling us we wasn't fit to walk the earth. We ain't never been that poor. We ain't never been that dead inside. Mm. But Walter's mind is made up. He goes into his bedroom. Walter, you need to stop making up your mind about stuff. You need to let other people be in charge for That's a bit. That's what got us. You made a big mistake. Walter. You pop down now, Walter. I mean, in in Walter's defense, this they're going to be racist either way. <laughs> you might as well get some money out of them. You know. I mean, that's true, but probably not the putting ninety grand with a friend that you just gave him cash or something to buy a liquor store. Mm. That probably wasn't a good idea. Walter should have vetted your friends a little better. Yeah. Uh, Benita disowns her older brother, Walter, calling him a toothless rat, <laughs> which is the worst kind of rat, am I right? Yeah. How are they going to eat? Absolutely useless. they to slop down on some <laughs> real <laughs> fermented shit. <laughs> how, how are they going to gnaw on the wall and annoy everyone? Yeah. <laughs> That's what rats, rats do, right? <laughs> Mama explains that, that Walter is broken and that when her brother's at his lowest, that's when he needs her love the most. That's what she says. Who says that? Mama says that to Benita. She's like, he ain't no brother of mine. She's like, you should. Didn't Mama just have a massive go at him? Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't call him a toothless rat. Yeah. <laughs> She's just upset. Yeah. Uh, at that moment, Mr. Linda appears. Walter slowly comes out of the bedroom to talk to the man. He tells his son Travis to leave, but Mama implores him to stay, telling him, you show where our five generations have come to. Basically, she's like, I want your son to see this. You're doing the wrong thing here. And Walter can. This is a tough one. It's a, I know. How do you know what to do? Walter can barely look Mr. Linda in the eye, but Mr. Is, Linda is pleased they've decided to negotiate. Walter starts talking about how he's a plain man working as a chauffeur. His wife and mother are plain people that worked in kitchens. His father was a plain man who worked as a labourer. He says his family are plain but proud people. He says his father almost beat a man to death once because he called him a name. Mr. Linda is very, very confused. Well, that's Was that a good stupid? thing? Yeah. Walter goes, Walter actually says, do you understand what I mean? And Mr. Linda goes, not really. Oh, wait, the name. I feel like I know what the name yes, is. Yes, I'm sure he called him a racist slur. Oh, okay. I, okay, no, that's, I thought he was just like, you're a loser. And no. He like murdered He's him. implying that someone was racist to him once and that he's too proud to take that. that okay, no, I'm back on board with okay. that then. That's fine. Uh, Mr. Linda, very, very confused. He's like, what are you talking about? Walter finally gets to the point. This is quite a long uh, but important speech in the play. He says, well, what I mean is that we come from people who had a lot of pride. I mean, we are very proud people. And that's my sister over there, and she's going to be a doctor, and we are very proud. Why am I telling you this? Is that we called you over here to tell you that we are very proud in this. Travis, come here. This is my son, and he makes the sixth generation our family in this country. And we have all thought about your offer, and we have decided to move into our house because my father, my father, he earned it for us brick by brick. 
We don't want to make no trouble for nobody or fight no causes, and we will try to be good neighbours. And that's why we got to say that's all we got to say about that. He looks the man absolutely in the eyes and says, "We don't want your money." Walter has had a change of heart. He couldn't sell his family out. What are they going to do? Oh, good. Well, Mr. Linda leaves in a huff, warning the family that he, quote, hopes they know what they're getting into. And the family, now energized by this show from Walter, continue on with their move. Hmm. Benita tells Mama that uh, Asagai wants to marry her and move to Africa, and Walter and her start bickering again like they did at the start of the play, and they leave together. So it's almost like it's like it was at the beginning. Mm. Ruth and Mama are the last two people on the stage. Mama says to Ruth, he finally came into his manhood today, didn't he? Kind of like a rainbow after the rain. Ruth says, yes, Lena, which is her name. Walter. <gasps> Twist. Wal- <laughs> <laughs> Walter calls out to them off stage. Y'all come on. These people charge by the hour, you know. <laughs> and then huh. Mama waves Ruth out and says, all right, honey, go on down. I'll be down. I'll be down directly. She takes a moment to survey the apartment just one last time and then she leaves starting the next chapter in their lives. And that is the end of the play. Wow. The curtain falls. Plays feel so much shorter when you just do a summary like this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this play goes... Not for, much happens. What's this play go yeah. for, like, two months? <laughs> yeah, so that's we crazy. It feels way shorter than that. Yeah, um, way shorter than that. But yeah, so it all uh, it all builds to that dramatic moment where you're not sure if he's gonna take the money or not. But then you sniffing that book. Yeah, it just smells like an old book. All right, and then uh, (laughs) forgot that you could see me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Walter just you can't go through with it. No. What do you think? I mean, you can go either way on that. I'm like, I'm just still so angry at Walter for what he did. What an idiot. Oh, giving up the money. This is his re- only redeeming trait. I mean, I'd be much less angry at him if he if he um put that money aside for Benita. Yeah. Yeah, if he just lost the three and a half grand yeah. for him, it's like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. Mm. But he put all of it. Scumbag. Mm. Absolute. Oh, I'm so angry at him. It's annoying. So he's, ugh. But I love that triumph. He finally stood up for his family. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah, can't wait to see them get <laughs> harassed Bullied. in the sequel. I know it's it's, 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 it's it is saddening to imagine what would happen to them, but still. Well, that's you have to. Um, seems like they have to fight for it. Mm-hmm. That's very upsetting. You know what they say? They say you got to fight for your right to party. <laughs> Come on, guys! We've got a big housewarming. All right. <laughs> Uh, so the title, A Raisin in the Sun, actually comes from a Langston Hughes poem and it's written at the start of the book, of mm-hmm. the play in the published version. And that poem is, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? Hmm. And dr- dreams Walt are. Walter's a raisin in the sun. Well, dreams are a big part of this play. Mama yeah. dreams of a better life for her family. Walter dreams of a more bourgeois lifestyle with cars and houses and luxuries that he sees other people enjoying. Mm-hmm. That's what he's focused on. And Benita just dreams of helping people. Mm-hmm. 
whether it's uh, people in her neighborhood or people in Africa, she just wants to help people, yeah. And Ruth dreams of just having one child. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so did Ruth get the abortion? We don't know, but probably not. Now they move to the bigger house, probably not. So are they going to be able to afford the um, continuing mortgage payments on this? Like that's what I'm worried about. I guess they're just going to... Just going to work to the bone. Yeah. Well, Ruth did say she would work 20 hours a day with a baby strapped to her back. (laughs) Yeah. It's not ideal. (laughs) But good on him. That is true. I just really wish he hadn't spent all that money. I wish they had just bought the house outright and, I don't know, but then spent the extra money on insurance in case people try and bomb it. Damn. You know, or just pay insurance with money that you've earned. That's what they could be working towards then, you know, just yeah. the insurance of uh, probably insurance pretty high insurance. I reckon black. the insurance company for the for the people who are like, so you say the only black family in this predominantly white neighbourhood, <laughs> that's some expensive insurance you're after. Yeah, probably would cost them a fortune. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, what a – oh, how great. <laughs> but what, what, what did you – did you enjoy it? What did you think? Yeah, it was nice uh, little almost, um, you know – Slice of life. I don't know what that means. Um, nice peek into their, into their, into their lives. Um, I think I should be a play critic. Yeah, great. I think so too. <laughs> Do that, you think so? How about you, Danielle? Yeah, I, uh, I. I feel like I do at the end of a lot of things, which is infuriated that I don't know what happened with the rest of their lives. Oh, okay, right. I actually um, like that, that you don't find out what Beneatha does. Yeah, I know, but I also like, I always also get angry that I can't go talk to the characters at the start and tell them not to make decisions. Hey, you know? I'm from the future. Also, you're in a play. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, don't. Don't, do don't let Walter near that money, please. Yeah, never at all. Never. <laughs> Uh, I always get the guests a score out of five, the play or book they've just heard. Mm-hmm. And how how are you feeling about it? You can't. I mean, you don't have to go high just because it is considered a classic. You can say you didn't enjoy it or you can mm-hmm. say you did enjoy it. Okay, I'm going to go three because I did enjoy it, but also uh, I'm, in, I'm angry. I finished it and I'm angry. Okay, <laughs> great. So three out of five from uh, Danielle there. Yeah. Naomi, what are you thinking? Um... I'm going to give it a four and a half. A four and a half. Well, nice. Well, just because I feel like um, st- uh, stories are good when you care about the characters. And I did actually care what happened to these people. So I yeah. didn't care what happened to Walter or George <laughs> or the other one. What was his name? A- Asagai. Asagai. He tried to wrong. change I mean, her he's better, name. He's better than George. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they're both bad in their own ways. Yeah, yeah. Beneatha seems cooler than both of them put together, honestly. Yeah, yeah she was too good for them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she was a real a badass in the play too, yeah. Yeah. She was the coolest character. Well, she's a cool girl. <laughs> I'm going to give it a score of five out of five, something I really do on this show. Wow. I really did enjoy it. I was very, I was a bit emotional when I was reading that final act. Really? Yeah. It's. Uh, I guess you have more... <laughs> You have more time to sort of and like to, to get enjoy attached. the dialogue and things like that. Yeah. Well, the dialogue in it is I feel very... bad that I didn't cry. Uh, I can't believe you didn't. Yeah, the dialogue is very good. I tried to read out a couple of the quotes just because I think it is very well written and yeah, you do care. You can about tell it. even from that quote that you the the speech at the end it feels like it's someone real talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd actually love I'd love to see a production of it. Um 
Because, yeah, that character, Walter, is very... Yeah. Would be a good character to watch develop and change. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd enjoy it more if I was, like, listening to the dial, the actual dialogue the whole way through. Sure, sure. So um, the one complaint about this is, is that your you... podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, would you... Basically, you've got to ask yourself, would you have bothered reading it if I wasn't here? And most people... Probably not. Well, I hadn't heard of it. I think mm. maybe I met the the title is like vaguely recognizable to me, but then again, I I don't ever read, so there yeah, you right. go. It's right. Better than nothing. <laughs> uh, so that does bring us to the end of the show. If people want to suggest a book, they can do that. As I said at the start of of the podcast, the only thing left to do is thank uh, a couple of people that support the show on Patreon. So people that do that. I tell me their favorite books and then I get to tell you about them and we get to judge their choices, basically. Great. Can't wait to roast them all. Wait, mm-hmm. I mean, you can also love their choices. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> books? Um, Yuck. Because uh, this show, as well as Do Go On and the other spin-off podcast from Do Go On, uh, Primates with Matt Stewart, is supported by people that support the show on Patreon. It's the reason that we uh, get to do this a couple of times a month. Thank you so much to those people that do that. And I tell people in advance the book or play I'm going to uh, going to do because some people wanted to read it along with me or in advance and uh, you can do that Cute. and also you get bonus stuff like other uh, extra episodes of do go on and things like that but i'd like to thank three people now that have uh told me their favorite books and first of all i'd like to thank drew peisner why drew does that Peisner's... name sound familiar P-E-I-S. I think they're a gamey, gamey game Patreon as well. Oh, really? I yeah. wouldn't be surprised. There is some great crossover. Thank you, Drew Peisner, for supporting all the Shout great out. stuff. <laughs> Interesting that you're not a batch bitch Patreon. Mm. Is mm. that because we don't have a Patreon? <laughs> Seems like somebody should start one for us. Uh, Drew, <laughs> Drew, do you want to start it? Drew, start our Patreon, please. <laughs> okay. Drew, come on. Uh, I asked people, what's their favorite book? He said, I'd have to go with Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, in brackets, my second favorite Dave after Warnicky. <laughs> Yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> 1986 classic Watchmen. I love comics and graphic novels, and reading Watchmen was the first time I realized that books with drawings of superheroes weren't just for kids. I'd seriously recommend giving it a read at some point, whether you're usually a comic book fan or not. A bit violent, that one. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Well, it's a go. movie as well. What a violence. Mm. Thank you. Drew loves a bit of violence. <laughs> Don't know about that. <laughs> But you loved the Joker too, didn't you? Naomi, you loved the Joker. Yeah, he's my boyfriend now. (laughs) (laughs) He's cool. I like him. (laughs) I hate Batman. Uh, Paul Valentine writes in to say, my favourite book is To Kill a Mockingbird. It has so many things that resonate with me. It's my mother's favourite book. It has a cultural tie to the southern US, US where I grew up, a great sense of humour, and touches on the kind of issues I now research in my academic work. It also has, in my honest opinion, the best book-to-movie adaptation ever made. Mm. Well, I guess you haven't seen Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. (laughs) 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 That's funny because that's probably one of the worst, (laughs) surely. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Paul. Uh, Check out Harry Potter if you've got time. I mean, yeah, I haven't read To Kill a Mockingbird, but, um, you know, it's not the most unique choice, I have to say. Sorry. As a favourite book. Are you, you really I mean, are it's also them? his own <laughs> mum's favourite book, so. Yeah. Get your own yeah. opinions, Paul. <laughs> yeah. I uh, love Danielle Steele just like my mum does, okay? <laughs> I was named after her. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, Who's I think Danielle so. Danielle Steele? 
She's a um, she's like a romance novelist. Yeah, like if really? you go look at my mum's bookshelf, it's just like Danielle Steele, 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 Bryce Courtney, Danielle Steele, Danielle Steele, Danielle Steele, Danielle Steele, Virginia Andrews, Danielle Steele. Oh, yeah. Okay, I've googled it, and it's just a wall of clit lit. Yeah, mum <laughs> loves it. Loves a wank. Have you done any clit lit? Uh, no. You? What if you found like a pre nineteen sixties? Clit lit book. I think yeah. that's when most of them were. Yeah, what's that uh super famous lady? <laughs> oh, and Madonna? She, she looks amazing. Best selling romance authors. You were really named after a romance novelist. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How do you not know? <laughs> <laughs> I was named after a woman in the Bible. Oh, yeah. is there a woman in the Bible called Naomi? Yeah. She... I feel like Naomi seems like a more modern name, like it came in the 1980s. Right. No, yeah. it's in the Bible. She is in the book of Ruth. She's Ruth's um, mother-in-law. Yeah. And so Naomi has three sons. Mm-hmm. One of them's married to Ruth. All the sons die. And then her and Ruth just hang out. But because Naomi means pleasant, she changes her name when she's when her sons die oh. to Mara. So. <laughs> What's Mara mean? I'm no sad. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal to any Maras out there. <laughs> I, f- I found who I was talking about. I was talking about Barbara Cartland. Do you know this lady? Oh, no. Oh, my. One of the- I, I don't know her, but just looking at her, I love her. I love in- her dog. Her dog looks the same as her. <laughs> Can is- you please put that up on some <laughs> sort of Instagram that you have for this to show I'll people? I'll post a photo of Barbara Cartland who is um, – she wrote 723 romance novels in her life and uh, sold – Reportedly 750 million copies. What a horny woman. Oh, wow, wow. And she died at 98 in the year 2000. Her, that's another photo of her. She's that's amazing. beautiful. Oh, my goodness. That's interestingly lit. That's how I imagine every romance novelist <laughs> dresses when they're going to write the book, <laughs> like a rich heiress. Well, I, think that, I think that might be because, yeah, she was very, very famous in England at the time. She was became one of London's most prominent society figures. So she was, yeah. There you go. Ooh. You could read one of those. Diana, yeah. Princess of Wales, was her step-granddaughter. Well, she's dead. Read about her. Oh. <laughs> there you go. I should I should do a bit of uh, Barbara Step-granddaughter? Yeah. Does that mean she's the step-grandma? Like she's the like hot young thang on Princess <laughs> Diana's granddad's arm? <laughs> what? <laughs> like I want to know if like Diana liked her or not. She was like, Ugh, I hate granddad's new lady friend. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know this now. Get some. I'll try and find. She's all kinky. Sorry, (laughs) that's what Granddad likes about this kinky woman. This kinky socialite. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Finally, I'd like to thank one final uh, contributor to our Patreon. That is Zane Hatinga. What a name, Zane Hatinga. My favorite book is probably A Clockwork Orange. Although I don't know how I feel about the message, to be honest. (laughs) Danielle and I just gave each other the most horrified look. Uh, the reason I oh, love it no. is the unique story and also because it's written in NADSAT, so you kind of learn a language over the course of reading it. And the book goes from pretty incomprehensible to perfectly readable as you learn the slang. Cool. Thank you, Zane, Paul, and Drew. Don't know about that one, to, to be honest. To Kill a Mockingbird and A Clockwork Orange are both often requested. Have you done A Clockwork do. Orange on here? No, I haven't. Do you think I should? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I won't do it Why not? Oh, it's very upsetting. 
I mean, it's fine. It's not. It's not like I'm offended mm. by it. It's just <laughs> right. Um, what is your opinion, Danielle? Should I do it? I just think it's another one of those ones that's like, like just a real famous book. I just reckon it's like one of those 1984. Well, they're, they're the books it... that I get most requested on this show. The popular ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you 1984. <laughs> Catch twenty two, Animal Farm. I feel like a Clockwork Orange, and I'm going off the movie because I haven't read the book, but I've seen Have the movie. Done... But it seems like it's in the same category as like Fight Club and like just other movies that like young men get obsessed with and take <laughs> the wrong thing away from it. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I want to be like these guys, like Wolf of Wall Street. They're like that Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> character. He was cool. Yeah, what a cool guy. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, thanks to Drew, Paul, and Zane for supporting the show. Bloody appreciate that, guys. Thank you so much. Sorry <laughs> for um, criticizing you. Yes, yeah. Also, I'm so I'm very tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's past Danielle's like bedtime. And I'm so sorry to keep you out. That's like, all we- right. We were late because we're watching the Masked Singer. <laughs> <laughs> You can hear all about that on your Batch Bitch podcast. Mm-hmm. You I'm sure can. You, I'm sure you mentioned it. Tell us about the Batch Bitch. Um, we're doing Bachelorette at the moment. Which is fun because when we watch The Bachelor, because the women on it get so highly scrutinized, we're very careful to not be mean um, and just criticize maybe the way the show's edited. Sometimes some of the girls' actions and stuff, but mostly we're fine. But on The Bachelorette, we have no qualms. So we just go in. So on the I say, he's boring, he's boring, he's boring. I'd never say that about a woman. I'd be like, oh, they edited it out, all her dialogue. <laughs> And how how many episodes in are you? F- For two. <laughs> oh, we've only done one podcast episode. We do one podcast episode per two, two episodes. episodes of the show because this is on Wednesdays and Thursday nights. Right, so it's a great time to jump on board now. Yeah. Oh, jump. I mean, you can go back to our first season was about the Honey Badger and what a wild ride that was. Mm. Yeah. To be fair, most of our listeners don't actually watch the show. Yeah. They just listen to our recaps. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it's almost like your, your listeners don't read the books. Yeah, you, they just listen you're, to you. We do the same thing. You're cheating the bachelor. Yeah, We're so you don't cheats. have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, you feel like you have to watch the bachelor and you need to cheat your way through. Oh, yeah, well, well that, that doesn't make sense because people do talk about reality. Like for for example, Married at First Sight, because so many people watch it. Yeah. You know, people talk about it a lot. Like, you know, in the workplace, we don't have much to talk about. So if you can't be bothered actually watching it. Yeah. You can you, listen to our podcast, which sometimes takes up the same amount of time that watching the two episodes would take up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone that the the length of this, this is almost as length of uh, if you went to see this play. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but you can't. It's it's really on. It's really on, I imagine. I doubt they'd be able to put this up in Australia, to be honest. It would be difficult. It would be difficult. I'm sure it was hard enough to cast Hamilton. (laughs) A lot of people flying in, I assume. (laughs) Well, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining me, Uh, ladies. Is there anything else coming up? Or should we follow you on Instagram or Twitter or things like this? Yeah, sure, do that. Yeah, why not? Um, Actually, I think mine's on private at the moment. Your what? Yeah, well, tr- just try and follow it. Just try. Yeah, just try. Actually, just 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 press follow, and then I'll accept because I'm trying to get um I'm trying to move houses, but I don't want them to see my Twitter. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I mean, no particular reason. I Are you going to move from? One I just house- don't want to give them any reasons. We move from one house with two bathrooms to another house with two bathrooms because once you've gone two, you can't go back. It's got one bathroom. What? The one I want. Um, I know. But does it have a bathtub? No. 
Oh, my God. Sometimes, um, you know, you change and you got to move, much like the people um, in the play. That's right. Mm. So Are I you really going to be bullied <laughs> out of your new house as well? For my race? Yeah. I highly doubt it. <laughs> It'll North be your personality. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It'll be definitely my fault. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming uh, on the show. Always a pleasure to have you here. And until next time, as we always say, we're going to say it. Bye forever. forever. <laughs> what were you going to go with? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> what was it? Books forever. Oh, sorry. Okay, can we do it again? <laughs> oh, okay. One, two, three. Books forever. Oh, no. Oh, man. We're not doing it a third time. <laughs> See you next time, guys. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.